Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Church Online and here at Church On Site. You guys joining us from home online. So cool to have you with us. You guys here on site, man. Well done for coming out. Uh, trust you enjoying the meeting. Thank you for making it and being community. Last week, one of the cool things that we saw online was someone posted uh, a healing need. They were, they were not feeling well. And they said, please pray for me. And then I watched in the comments as a bunch of guys said, hey, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for you and I'm praying for you. So remember, we're not just gathering around a screen, but at Grace Club, we're building community. So I encourage you to get on to the comments. If you haven't greeted yet, tell people hello, tell them where you're coming from and feel free to share words or needs or anything that's on your mind. Let the community gather together as we engage in this uh, Sunday morning meeting. And uh, so I'm trusting that even you guys at home, God will speak to you. Hopefully he has already, but I'm trusting that he'll speak to you today. And for us on site, it's great that we can uh, share words and pray for each other. But I'm trusting God to speak out of his word to us this morning. So, you know, I was about eight years old when my brother was drafted into military service back in the day. I remember my family all bundling in with my sister, my brother and me, bundling into the family car, driving down to the station in KZN. I remember my brother, just 17 years old, in a brand spanking new uh, army uniform. It was scratchy. It was itchy. You could see nothing quite fit right. It was chafing him on his neck. His beret didn't have what nowadays I know they call hoedung. It didn't quite fit right. He looked so out of place. Just a young boy in a man's uniform. I remember watching my dad and him share a final moment before he walked away from us. And I remember wondering what my dad was saying to him, and as just a little guy, I wish I could hear. I was so overwhelmed. I didn't quite know what was going on, but I wish I could have heard the words that my father said to my brother. Years later, now that I'm a dad myself, I wonder what a father says to his son. What words will sustain and carry them into a situation like that, the most dangerous and bewildering time of a person's life? And now, years later, I wonder, are words just words, or are they enough to see you through? You know, as far as COVID is concerned, the Scientific American Journal said that this is the biggest psychological experiment in human history. Imagine all the millions and millions, billions of people consigned to lockdown. They said that people face a multiple wallop. The threat of disease, the loneliness of isolation, the potential loss of loved ones, the repercussion of job loss, the ongoing uncertainty about when this pandemic will end. It's so easy to become confused and unsettled every time there's a change. We've just gone to level two and we've got to reassess and reprioritize uh, our lives and get used to doing life in a new way again. We've got to adjust and figure out how do we live in this new set of circumstances? You know, so much so that it's easy for us to see COVID as just a, a necessary evil, a window in time, an interruption to what is normal life. It's tempting to press the pause button on our lives, to put our life on hold and just try and wait it out. But I want to say that life 
continues in the midst of it all. It's not like you can just wait out the thunderstorm at the mall and then when the, when the rains part and the clouds open, you can get to your car without getting soaking wet. Life continues in the midst of it all. They tell me that there are three kinds of people. There are those that make things happen. There are those that watch things happen. And there are those that wonder what happened. And someone said their dad told them, whatever you do, don't be the third guy. But I think the truth is that we've all been in one of those situations from time to time. Surely. We've all been those wondering what's happened. We've all been those making things happen. Tyron Daniel wrote a book called Leading Ourselves. And if you hit the link just below or jump on gracecub.coza, you can download the ebook for free. And we're going to be using it as a kind of reference uh, for the next number of weeks. His thesis is that leadership starts with your life. Before we can lead others, before we can attempt to add value to our world, we need to lead our own lives first. He said, you can't, if you can't lead your own life, you will never lead others. And in every season of life, it's those that lead themselves that are able to lead meaningful lives, able to navigate every season well, able to count for God, able to go the distance to get to the prize, able to receive from God our Father the great well done, good and faithful servant that so many of us long to hear. And so this morning I want to welcome you to episode one of our brand new series called Note to Self, a series on leading yourself. We're going to look at Note to Self this morning. You know, one of the outrages of lockdown that South Africans are facing is the ongoing corruption. Isn't it been shocking just to see headline after headline bringing these terrible things up again? We've seen corruption, tender fraud. We've seen the misuse of some of those monies that have been allocated or set aside to provide for and to protect the poor and those impacted by our pandemic. We've seen breakdowns and people taking the opportunity to self-enrich themselves and uh, possibly at the expense of others. We've seen that it's almost one scandal after another. Many of us have been shocked that people could enrich themselves despite the threat of the lives to our frontline workers. Some people have just gone for the gap. They've, they've somehow found an opportunity to enrich themselves, even at the expense of other people's lives. The very people that if they test positive will be looking after the people that are just making a killing at the moment. It's such a clear example of those who have positions of power. You could even use the word leadership, but are leading themselves poorly been amazing that in this circumstance when the president announced those billions of rands that were going to be allocated it, it seems so far from our thinking that some were rubbing their hands together saying there's an opportunity for me to get rich that's poor self-leadership surely you know another crisis that we face at the moment is that of gender-based violence and it seems to have surged during lockdown because people are forced to live at close quarters under even more than usual stress uh, levels. And I want to speak carefully because this is a terrible thing, but to me it proves the point that I'm making this morning of know to self so well. You see, there have been so many responses to gender-based violence. Some have said, well, that's it. All men are animals. 
all men are terrible. And it's even given risen to a hashtag that I saw that's been used a lot. This one, men are trash. And I want to say the problem with this is that it, it assumes all men are equally terrible and as animals have no way to control themselves. I expect more from men. Again, it's an example of a terrible failure of people, in this instance men, to lead themselves well. I do want to say that yes, each person should be held accountable for their actions, but also that each one of us has a choice to lead ourselves better, whether it's crime, abuse, laziness, or just wandering off track. All of us have an opportunity to lead ourselves better. So the point of our Note to Self series is that if we cognitively think through what God has called us to be and who we want to become in this life, then we can lead ourselves intentionally towards fulfilling a life that pleases God. So sometimes we just need to stop and assess how we are leading our lives. Let me ask you this question. Are you familiar with the little voice in your head? <laughs> I wonder whose voice it is. I, I expect most of us are nodding. I wonder whose voice it is. I wonder what that voice is saying. <laughs> Sometimes, if I think back, I remember a, a, a primary school teacher with a particularly scratchy voice moaning at me in class. Sometimes I think back of my parents and some of the important things they've said, and it sits in my mind, and, and it's that, that, that little voice. Sometimes I'm embarrassed to tell you that it's my voice, and it's saying things that I shouldn't be saying to myself. I wonder what voice you have in your head. You know, Michael Jackson, I hope you don't mind me referencing him in a Sunday morning sermon, but he wrote a song a little while ago called Man in the Mirror. You might be familiar with it. And it starts like this. I'm going to make a change for once in my life. I'm going to feel real good. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make it right. I won't sing it for you. The chorus says, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. No message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, then take a look at yourself and then. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a change for once in my life. feel real good, gonna make a difference, gonna make it right. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. The book of James chapter 1 puts it this way in verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, but is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So this morning we begin. Note yourself. Leading ourselves well. 
So I don't know if you're used to writing things down. When we say note to self, you think, what? I must actually write something and, and make it to myself? Can't I just think it? I don't know if you're used to journaling or keeping these things written down. I think there's power in writing things down. There's a number of things that we gain when we write things down. First of all, it, it forces us to articulate clearly the things that we're feeling instead of just having some vague sense of emotion. You, don't, you just don't feel right. You don't quite know why. But when you have to put it down in actual words, it forces us to ask ourselves some questions. It, it forces us to think through what's in our hearts, the things that we hope for, the things that we dream of. <laughs> One of the great powers of writing things down is it reminds us of things we can so easily forget. I think that written down words have life. You see, they live as a promise, as a prayer, as a destination that we're working towards. So in this Note to Self series, I'm going to be giving and the other preachers will be giving you challenges along the way. So the first of those being to take some time and write things down. Even as I'm speaking to you this morning, maybe on your phone you can just jot a couple of thoughts in your notes or maybe you can write in a diary or maybe you need to start a new book, back of your Bible, I don't know. But I'm challenging you to write down some messages to your current and your future self. When Colette and I first got married and we went away on something called the Church Planters Training Course Right at the beginning, they said to us, write a letter to yourself about the church that you dream of leading one day. I mean, we knew nothing. We were young. We were, we were deacons in the church. We weren't even on eldership. We knew so little. And yet, you know, as I wrote those words, they've stayed with me. And some of those things, the dreams that we wrote down then, we've walked in over decades of serving Jesus. One day as you write down, if you would ask yourself the question, what would the 5 or 10 or 20 year older version of me say to the current me now? If I could fast forward 5 years and then look back and think, man, if only I could have warned or prepared or challenged the previous version of me for time to come. I think David in the Bible gives us a crystal clear example of writing a note to self. In Psalm 42, he writes this beautiful uh, 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 psalm to the Lord. And it starts, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Now, you might have sung that in, in a church song. You may have read it as poetry before. It starts so wonderfully, doesn't it? Oh, Lord, I, I pant for you like, like fresh water. Now, if you've been thirsty or hot, you can identify with this. He goes on to say, My soul for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Then it sounds so wonderful, but in verse 3 he gets real. He says, My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? I wonder if you felt like that. Maybe you felt like that recently. You need to write a note to yourself like David does. In verse 4 he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive song. He remembers the heyday when life was good, when he felt close to God, and he was often meeting together with the believers like we do on a Sunday. Verse 5 he interrogates, he asks himself some questions. He says, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And then he writes his first note to self. It's beautiful. He says, put your hope 
in God. If, if, if I can add some uh, imagination, I would say, David, <laughs> listen to me now as he speaks to himself. Put your hope in God. And he says, For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. But therefore, I will remember you. And he goes on to speak about remembering the good things, reminding himself to remember the good things of God. In verse 10, he says, My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? And in verse 11, he asks himself again, Why, soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? He tells himself, No to self. Put your hope in God, for yet will I praise Him. So twice in Psalm 42, he goes through the same self-talk language. And then the next Psalm, in Psalm 43, verse 5, he says the same thing again. He repeats it. You see how powerful the written word is to remind ourselves of what's truly important. So we're dealing with note to self. But then we should ask ourselves, well, What on earth do I say to myself? Because too often we say the wrong things to ourselves. Well, first of all, I think we need to say what Jesus said. You may remember in John chapter 8, there's this uh, quite radical story. We are told that the Jewish uh, leaders catch a man and a woman, the Bible says, in the act of adultery. But they drag the lady into the town square. I wonder where the man went. And they drag the lady in front of Jesus to try and catch Jesus out. And he asked them, remember, they pick up stones to stone him. And he asked them, to, to, he asked them who is without sin. Let them throw the first stone. And they leave. And eventually it's just Jesus and the woman. And he says to her in John chapter 8 verse 10, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. When we speak to ourselves, I think we must say what Jesus said. Our minds can easily side of the devil and condemn us, but Jesus would rather stir us, to convict us, to leave our life of sin, to leave those things we aren't happy with, and to move towards the things that He would be happy with. So say what Jesus says. The second thing that we can do is we can side with the truth. Use the Bible when things are terrible, when things are looking bleak. Use the Word of God and say it over and over again. We visited friends and uh, they were quite arty and the lady particularly. In fact, we've been to a number of houses where we've seen scriptures written literally on the doors of the house. And every time they go, I've seen scriptures on on, on mirrors and, and I've always filled my walls around me with the truth of the Word of God. Side with God's Word. And then thirdly, I want to suggest that we should speak a better word. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. We'll start from verse 18. It says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Verse 24 says, To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. It's referencing uh, Genesis chapter 4, where Cain kills his brother Abel because of his jealousy. And the Bible says that Abel's blood cries out. It's, it's, It's like a testimony against this brother that committed murder. 
And the blood of Abel cries out, the Bible says, for, for vengeance, for revenge. But here it says, no, Jesus' blood speaks a better word. Instead of revenge, Jesus' blood speaks of mercy. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And Jesus so loved the world that he went to the cross and he gave his life. Jesus' blood speaks a better word. I want to say to you this morning, what do we say to ourselves? Say what Jesus said. Side with the truth, with the word of God. And then thirdly, speak a better word. Very often the words in our minds are not godly words. Speak a better word. And so the challenge for us this morning, out of this first part, note yourself, choose wisely what you say. The next thing I want to say is that we should set our course wisely. Note yourself, <laughs> set our course wisely. You see, Paul is in prison for the second time in Nero, by Nero. He's facing the end of his life and he writes to Timothy and he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will avoid, award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also all who have longed for his appearing. It's amazing that as Paul's life draws to a close, he knows the end is near. He writes to Timothy, but he doesn't write uh, giving a list of successes of crowds that he preached to, of miracles he was involved with, of numbers of churches that he planted, people that he evangelized, or, or journeys that he took. He speaks of things far more important. And so we should set our course wisely. You see, when Paul gets to the end of his life, the things that he reflects on as important are surprising. And it's easy for us to invest our whole lives into gaining something that in the end isn't as important as we expected. Someone said that no one on their deathbed says, I wish I spent more time in the office. So easy for us to spend a lifetime trying to gain something which we realize isn't as valuable as we thought it was. So we should set our course wisely. Many of us want to prioritize the things that are important to us. Many people speak about wanting better health, more exercise, quality time with a family, perhaps maybe a study goal or a business achievement. Maybe it's getting out of debt or saving money for the future. But you know, when you talk to the same person years later, they haven't got any closer to that uh, professed destination. The truth is, none of these things happen by accident. Perhaps it's time for you and I just to stop and think and then to take responsibility for our lives and set our course wisely. And so he said, first of all, note yourself, choose wisely what you say. Second of all, note yourself, choose wisely what you give yourself to. The last thing that I want to ask as we prepare to, with this with a sermon idea of note yourself is, is my call settled? Have I settled my call? In 1 Timothy 4 verse 16, it says, Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You know, it's important, more important than just believing the right things. It's we need to pay attention to how we live as well. And so as we take some time to think these things through, note to self, leading ourselves well, I wonder if you'd ask yourselves these questions. Am I doing what I should be doing? 
so easy for us just to get busy doing things, but not necessarily the things we should be doing. Secondly, am I who I should be? Or am I just playing a role that, that isn't being designed for me? so easy for everyone else in our lives to have an opinion about who we should be and what we should be doing. It's important that we make sure that it's the right one that we are. Am I doing what I should be doing? Am I who I should be? Thirdly, am I trying to be someone else? So easy for us to try and be someone else instead of who God called us to be. Remember when David went to to take on Goliath, Saul tried to put on his armor and it didn't fit and it weighed him down. It's Eventually David took it off and he said, no, I can't fight like this. I need to be who I am. And when you and I are who we are legitimately before Jesus, the time falls. And finally, ask ourselves, am I where I should be? Am I doing what I should be doing? Am I who I should be? Am I trying to be someone else? And am I where I should be? So we've said no to self. What would your future self say? Note to self, choose wisely what you say to yourself. Thirdly, we said note to self, choose wisely what you give yourself to. And finally, note to self, choose wisely what you become. Friends, over the next few weeks, I'd love you to think these things through. We've got a whole bunch of very practical ways that we can write notes to ourselves and figure out how we lead ourselves well so that we can live the life that God has designed for us, we can receive the great well done that Jesus intends for us. God bless you.